The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to the Shaken and Stirred Show. I'm Nigel Barker in New York, and I'm here with my co-host, Tom Astor, who is in Oxford, England. Tom, how are you, buddy? Really well, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Very well, very well. You know, actually snowing today in upstate New York, despite the fact it's spring, it is... You wouldn't think it was spring at all. There are flurries and actual snow sort of gusting around. It's quite something. Yeah, that's been happening here as well, just when you think you're in the, into the, the swing of spring. I woke up the other day and I had a foot of snow blanketing everything. And by lunchtime, it was completely gone. That's English snow for you, though. I mean, that's how I remember it growing up. What are you, what are you drinking, Tom? What do we have? What have you poured yourself? I have made myself a mojito and I have made my own mojito syrup with a little lemon, mint, sugar and water boiled for 10 minutes. Crushed some limes up, crushed some mint, chucked a bit of white rum in it, dash of soda and uh, put a straw in it. And when in doubt, put a straw in it. There you go. <laughs> what are you, what's your... I have decided to also do something a little different. I decided to go, I actually went to liquor.com and had a look at what was sort of, sort of, I don't know, what they were recommending. I thought, I'd, what can I do that's different? And I've come up with something called a quill riff, which is a absinthe rinsed glass. It's a sort of a, a white variation on a quill, which is also in itself a rift on a Negroni because it uses... London Dry Gin, Dolan Blanc Vermouth, and Luxardo Bitter Bianco, all stirred over rocks and then poured into a coupe in an absinthe rinse glass. Sorry, did you mean that coupe is poured into a coupe as in, yeah, as a, in coupe. Poured into a cup? A coupe. And what happens? You drink too many of those and you sound like a quill riff. I'm feeling like a pretty quill riff right now. It's pretty delicious. It's nice. I'm not a huge... I mean, I like absinthe, but I, it can be overpowering. I think it's quite nice. The rinse aspect is... Kind of good for those of us who are perhaps getting initiated into the absinthe world, which I'm trying to get into it. You like absinthe, don't you? You drink pearl. Yeah, I love I like all those aniseed, but you know, all those. Yeah, you always have. I've I want to like them and I, I kind of do, but I find them very overpowering. I can sort of only have like half a drink half the time when I have one. I sort of want to move on. But but this is perfect in a way. The 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 London dry gin with just that touch of aniseed. Anise, rather, and then the, the vermouth is very nice. And the bitters, it all works very well. Highly recommend, actually. A quill riff. Very settling for the stomach. And then, by the way, I've got a piece of um, grapefruit rind floating on the top. So it's actually has a little citrus kick to it as well. Very delicious. When I lived in Spain, when I was about 18, 19, every morning I'd go into the local town. I was living in rural, remote, mountainous part of southern Spain. And I'd go into town every morning and have, my, have a, an anise dulce, which was a big glass of anise, which is aniseed spirit, and then chased with a glass of water and a cafe con leche. And I can't remember what you had to do. If you did it the wrong way around, it would, it would kill your throat. I think if you probably had the anise after the coffee. But anyway, it was a great thing to wake up with because you know, it kept you going till about 11. Everything had a little sparkle. There you go. And on that note... Booze news. <laughs> a little booze news to get us going. Tom, I want to ask, have you had your vaccination? We kind of have you you've had your first, but not your second yet. Have my first, not my second. So likewise, I'm 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 partially vaxxed and I am often waxed, but I, I think this is a rather interesting booze news, which is about a beer and a shot. 
<laughs> Sam Adams, the beer company, is basically offering people, in fact, the first 10,000 people who decide to post a photograph of themselves getting vaccinated, they're sending them $7 through a cash app in order for them to buy themselves a beer, giving them a beer. So this whole, you know, we've all heard you mentioned having a chaser, but, uh, you know, a beer and a shot is often normally a shot of uh, tequila or a shot of whiskey, Jameson's or something, but this is a beer and a, a Fauci ouchie or a shot. Is this to try and encourage people to get vaccinated? I guess so. It's funny because Krispy Kremes have been doing the same thing. You know, you if you go to Krispy Kremes and you can prove that you've been vaccinated, they give you a free donut. So instead of a free donut, Sam Adams is joining the fray and giving you a, a, a money to buy a beer. So there you go. Anti-vax. Actually, I well, I ended up drinking whiskey the other day after my vaccination because I felt so ill. This is to stop you from feeling ill. This is to encourage you to go and so you can have a beer. But there you go. A little bit of booze in It did make me feel better. Well, it was a hot toddy, but yeah, it definitely, definitely helped. And hot toddy is your nickname, Tom. Hot Tommy. Wax. I'm gonna something wax is gonna be yours. Having I mean, just wax on, wax off. Wax and vax as a hashtag for you. We're gonna get right into it. Our guest today has become a friend of mine. She's a Tony nominee. She's rocked musical roles in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert and Waitress. She slayed the role of a bearded woman, even. It's giving it away here. Her performance, This Is Me, landed the songwriters a Golden Globe win and an Oscar nomination for Best Original Song. I know I've absolutely given it away here. You know what? She's just a great person. She's wonderful. She's sweetheart. Everyone loves her. And one of my great friends who we talk about on the show a lot, Hugh Jackman, absolutely adores her. Please welcome the remarkable Kiala Settle. Kiala, hiya, 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 hiya. What are you drinking? I, I should be drinking, which is what I usually drink when it's time for me to drink, a lovely glass of Chardonnay. I love a good unoaked Chardonnay, not a buttery one. I don't like that one. I love a good Chardonnay. Do you know what she just did, Tom? She's at what I should be drinking. Everyone out there, she's not. She's drinking something I'm not. Else. I'm drinking Spindrift right now because I've got two other meetings I've got to go to after this. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to be responsible. Sorry. No, it it's quite then. right. We, we, we love our Spindrift on this show. So they were, they were our sponsor for, for a whole season. So well, what's uh, wrong with doing it now? Keep it right. going, come on. Keeping it going, I know. I'm like, spin drift, listen up. Look what's happening on this show. Um, she's absolutely loving it. How are you? What have you been up to? Oh, how am I? You know, pandemic, right? <laughs> so that, that's, that's a loaded question, but that's okay. I'll answer it as quickly and as positively as I can. The pandemic happened and it changed my life even more than it ever has been. And uh, I'm moving to England in about two weeks. Is that why the English accent has come all of a sudden? Well, come? No, it's because, and I should probably start there. My father is from England. Right. My mum was from New Zealand. I was born and raised in Hawaii. So I've been around accents the whole of my life. So, and you know this too, Nigel, because you've been there. When I start talking with Hugh and Deb, I immediately go into Aussie or Kiwi. Right. Which, by the way, is all I know you for having that. I, whenever I've met you, that's the only accent you've had. That's why that as soon as you started speaking now, I was like, sorry, wait a second. Oh, my God, she's become so affected. Over the- I know it. I have, because all the readings I've had have been in the UK because I'm just sort of setting things up, uh, going over there um, for my dog and, 
you know, doing the letting agreement and everything and making sure everyone's being paid properly and all the forms filled out and getting, you know, a bank there and just all that. So all those meetings just happened to be today. And this was the other one that was right in the middle. (laughs) So, and, and because I've just been talking to them, so I just talk like this anyway, but that's what my brain does. Just from living my life sort of as a means of survival, as well as sort of trying to fit in wherever I am, because I've been around so many accents and I don't know who the hell I am. So wherever I can, you know, make a living somewhere, I'll do it. Well, you're in good company now. You've got Tom Astos in Oxford, England. You've got me and we're both English. So this is becoming a very English show all of a sudden. Sorry. Wasn't banking on it, but I'll probably slip out of it in no time. So don't worry about it. That's just what my brain does. So, but where are you going to slip to? That's the question. Don't know. Be it'll be as much a surprise as uh, for me as it will be for you. So we'll just see what happens, I guess. Well, you know, you mentioned obviously the pandemic, and we we don't talk about that a lot on this show. We always talk about. Oh. Everything else. well because everyone's always talking about it. It's sort of like one of those things where we try to dodge it. We are always having a cocktail and kind of just having fun and kind of Lucky you, know. you mate. <laughs> that was the whole point of the show, Kiana. That was like, you know, it's the pandemic. We need to do something where we can have a drink with our friends and talk about everything else other than Yeah, I would love to, but I mean everything that I'm doing is because of the pandemic. It's because of I don't know. I will just say it and then you can linger on it or be done and move on. I don't care. I'm just going to say, you asked me how I'm doing. Here's how I'm doing. The pandemic happened. I lost friends. I lost family. That's what happened to a lot of people worldwide. And it made me reevaluate who I am, you know, specifically because I'm singing. I usually sing a song called This Is Me. And that's not me at all. And everyone thinks that that is. And it's not. So this whole past year, I have come to grips. I've had to to understand why that song is so powerful to everyone else except me. Jesus. That's what I've been doing. That's the pandemic that I've lived in. So that is how I'm doing. And I've come to a massive, massive fork in the road where I realized because of my background and where I have the capability to go, because I could go wherever I wanted to, and also evaluating what I've been through in my life, as well as my brother and sister's, to do things, not because I'm chasing a check, not because I want to try and see if, you know, I can reach this height or reach this height. It's all about me just going, what makes you happy? I've never, we talk about that. Mm-hmm. We've heard people say that, but does anyone really do it? <laughs> so I don't know. I just know that I never have. And this is the first, that this move to England is the first time that I've done something for myself just to go. If I don't work, I don't work. I'm not even looking for it. I just want to take my dog, who's going to be in cargo because she's 40 pounds. She's a mini Bernadoodle. Her name is Izzy. I just want to take her to the bloody park. I want to go across the street, go to a pie and mash shop at two, two in the morning, go to the local pub. If they've got an open mic, great. I'll get up, sing something stupid and drunken and then stumble back home. That's what I want to do. Is that what they told you England was all about? That's why you're going. I love no, it. I just can't do it here. Where I live, I can't do it here. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I can't do it here. Uh, it's, uh, where I live is not really a place that I can do things like that. Where do you live right now? I live in Orange County. And because of everything that's happened last year, I um, was really afraid for my life. I know that sounds weird to say, but I was. And that's okay, because I learned a lot about myself. And I learned a lot about people, both good and bad. 
And with that knowledge, I chose to pick up and start moving to another country. I mean, you said a lot just now. I mean, it's kind of made my well, that's whole... who I am, love. You asked me. No, but I love it. But I, I, I guess the point is, is that you, this song, This Is Me, which, you know, you just said, it's not me. And it's it's like, not fucking me, mate. Can we swear on this too late well, now? You Sorry. You can say whatever you like. But no, I'm just like, it's such an amazing song. But it, tell us why it's not you. Another loaded question. Can't you start with what's your favourite colour or something like that? That's the latest Oh, that's it. Right. Well, can't wait to get to you. That'd be great. Um, because I have never found the resolve that people find towards the middle and the end of the song, where they know that they can fight, where they know that they don't have to worry about anyone else, what they're saying or what they're doing, or what they're telling them. To, you know, they're not dictating how their life is led. They can be who they are. I have never been that person, but I know that struggle, which is why I have, why when I sing that song, it hits so close to home. Right. But it never resolves for me, ever. And me moving to England will be the first of many steps where I could find some sort of resolution in my own life. Because I've never, ever, ever been able to do things with the strength of knowing I can be all right. I will be able to do it by myself. I came from immigrant parents to a country that had no idea who they were or what their values were. And it didn't matter. I would go home, be home, do the Maori stuff, learn all my songs, learn the Maori, you know, some of the tikanga there, which is all the rules and regulations. And then I would walk out my door and go to first grade where none of that mattered. It was a completely different culture. So, and I was listening to another accent there. So it was, you know, the, you know, pigeon accent. So it was like, I couldn't win. <laughs> so all I could do was just, right, I'll just survive wherever I can, which is why when I sang that song and they asked me to sing it and I said, I don't want to bloody sing it because I don't want people to know that this is my struggle. And then all of a sudden the whole fucking world knows it. And so I've got to deal with that because not only do they know it, they're coming to me and saying, thank you for changing my life. And how do I say you're welcome, but I'm still fucked. Do you know what I mean? It's not a bad thing at all. It's not bad. Let me reiterate, it's not bad. In fact, the idea that people are positively affected by it makes me work harder on myself to find that resolution or at least to start finding it. And that's what I'm doing. Looks like you have started. You're, you're, you're already on the way. Yeah, yeah. But and it's a big, huge step that I've never taken, never in that direction, never for my fucking self. Well done. So, you know, I've been living for my father, living for my mother, mostly, who's not even here anymore. It doesn't matter. Her voice haunts me from the bloody grave. That's enough for me. But all of that aside, I've realized that I can be who I want to be. That's what that song says. Never knew that before. Never knew that. Never was given that opportunity. And it's not my mum's fault. It's not my dad's fault. Hell, my mum came from a family of 16 children in the not white section of New Zealand. So it's not all the South Island, you know, batch houses on the beach. It's not all, you know, living like the spa life and all that. It is the native working class people that are from there. And then she meets my father who lived in council housing in Oldham. Mm. So he, you know, you all know, went up the street to go to the loo, get water, come back, had, took his bath in the living room. Of course they're going to come here. Of course. I would too. And when they got here, all they knew was the life that they had. And in order to survive, 
they thrust that upon their children so that they could all, it was almost like a fortress to sort of protect them. So we just switched posts our whole lives. <laughs> but at the same time, trying to learn what we're supposed to do in this new country with all of this knowledge from a place we've never been or lived. If you felt that you've never really fit in, is that the deal? Then you got some That's idea. That's correct, love. That, you've hit the nail right on the head. It's like a cookie cutter, right? You pull cookies out or biscuits, whatever you want to call it. I'm still American, so I'm going to call them fucking cookies. Pull a, pull a cookie out and it's not perfectly round or square or whatever you're doing. So you take that cutter, you put it on top and shake it till it cuts all the way down to the tray so that it forms that. And you've already shaved off the bits that are not desired to make that shape. I'll bet you I'm not the only one because of that song that has lived that life. If I was a biscuit or a cookie and you took the cutter off, you would see all these scars all along my body because I had to fit somewhere that benefited someone else. That's what it is. So how hard was it for you to actually sing that song then? In reality, I mean... Well, you it, saw it, love. And then when everyone saw it, I nearly had a panic attack because the only time that I sang it was in that bloody room. And then in Sydney, I was sat there next to the director who said, by the way, we're doing a you know, whole press junket. And mind you, none of this is me going, oh, poor me, champagne problems. Not at all. It is just me trying to figure out what everybody else already knows because I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I've started. That's the important thing. When we, we were sat there prepping for the press junket, Christmas of 2017, and he leaned over and he said, by the way, we're about to release in a few minutes the video of you singing this song in the room. And then the next interviewer came in for the press junket, and I thought, what? <laughs> So that thing that scared the living daylights out of me, that moment where I had to find something to hold because I was already out in front and I wanted so desperately to disappear into the floor and I couldn't. So all I did was grab that egg's hands because he was the only one there. And I knew that he knew. I knew that he understood it. I knew that he knew I didn't want to sing it. I didn't want to sing it. I had the choir telling me, girl, you got to sing it. You got to sing it, girl. You got to sing this. And I'm like, I'm not singing that. I'm not singing. Go get the girl who recorded it and tell her to come sing it because she's amazing. But if you need something else from me, I'm going to do it. But not that. I can't do that because I don't want anybody to know who I am. That's me. That's my stuff. But what I didn't know is that almost an entire planet would connect to that. And I would be the only person left in the dust. Well, you know, identity crisis has got to be one of the number one things that people suffer, all, especially, I think, in the yes. U.S. For some reason. Yes. It's like a huge problem. I mean, Kiala, I don't know if you know this, but you know, my sister, she took her own life. And the, one of the main things that for her was an issue was her identity crisis. She didn't know who she was. She wanted to, she thought she, my mother's Sri Lankan, I'm English. And, and you know, English and Sri Lankan is what we are. I'm sort of tan in color. My mm -hmm. brothers are much darker than me. My sister came out redhead with blue eyes and her entire life, she wanted to be brown. And she basically, in the end, she was constantly, she even went to Sri Lanka, married a Sri Lankan man, took a Sri Lankan name, learned Sri Lankan, spoke Sri Lankan. She's the only member of my family who actually speaks Sri Lankan and she was the whitest person in our family. But that's and she, why. And she was, she was just so upset that she, her mother, our mother, did not look like her. 
and she and she was born in, in England, and then she ended up taking her life, and and it was identity crisis her entire life, yeah. And it's so uh, that's why that song too. When I heard it, I was just like, uh, for me too, I'm like, you know, this is me. I mean, it resonates with people, but it, to your point, you know, that's why. I mean, I, I sorry you're crying now, but I know that. No, people, it's all good. It's all good love. It's it's those are the stories that need to be told so that people can listen because I've had that. I have a sister in England who moved to England because she and I and my younger sister are lighter than my brother and my, and another sister that I have mm-hmm. that live currently in um, Utah. And our whole lives have been, they're not Polynesian enough. Right. They're not acting like an Islander. They don't look like an Islander. They're not dark enough. So I know what that struggle is. Mm-hmm. And I'm so sorry. And it is real. And that's the part that this pandemic has made me look at and what that means to me, because that's when I go, I cannot keep living my life by what my brother thinks of me, by what my sister says I am and am not. I am the only person who knows what I am. I know the blood that runs through my veins. I know it. And you can't drain it out of me. You can't. You cannot do it. And with that, that's when I started to be able to heal myself and understand when these people say things, even if it is my family, even if it's people outside of my family saying, you don't belong here because you're not dark enough. My own father, when he married my mum, they nearly killed him because he was British, obviously. I am a walking war. I've got moldy blood in me, I've got Scottish blood in me, and I've got British blood in me. I should be imploding every five seconds. But my will is too strong to do that because I know there's got to be another way and I'm looking for it because I sang a song, ironically enough, that I couldn't get to the end of, but everyone else around me did and told me, thank you for changing my life. Thank you. I nearly killed myself today and I heard your song and I put the gun down. Thank you. I was able to talk to my parents today because I didn't know if they believed in me or not, if they would listen to me being a different person than what they thought I was. All of those things I had to take to heart and understand that I too have that power, which I've never told myself before, before this pandemic. Yeah, I mean. It's good news, mate. It's good news. It's the best news. And I'm sure this podcast was never meant to go this route. But guess what? It did. Um, it's just, and, and that's the thing that I hope that people, when they, when this is done, remember, because it, there is hope. There is so much hope everywhere. And we are living proof of it. You're living proof. You're living proof. Everything that we do and say, we are literally a walking contradiction to ourselves. We are beating the odds every step we take. And that's some fucking good news, mate. It's certainly good news. What are you hoping to, it is defined in, in the UK? I mean, if, are you someone who, are you an Anglophile? Do you love it there? You've got family, friends, because of your party? I mean, I do have, I've never met them. I've only met my cousins uh, once. Are you going to Oldham? Are you going back to where your father was from? Or are you going, like, where, are you go, where are you moving back to in, in the UK? Uh, I'm moving to central London. My sister lives in Norwich, so we'll be visiting often. She's vaccinated. Lucky. Thank God. Thank goodness. Are you vaccinated, love? Yes. He, he got, he's had his, we both had our first one. I'm about to get my second one next week. 
um, which I'm not looking forward to. But you know, it's You're right. It's better than death, love. Yeah, no. better than death. It's better than death. But yeah, I do. I want to learn about my father's side because we never did. Have you still got family up up in Oldham, or or are they yeah. all around? Yeah, yeah. So you got an uncle. Out. He's got children. I've met his. I've met my cousins from his first wife. I remember his first wife when they came to Hawaii when I was, you know, really young, and and I had a chance to see them when we played Manchester in 2019. In fact, it was amazing to be able to say hi to them and reconnect because reconnect, connect. Period. I, we we'd never done that, and so, and I was vowed and determined to go back and say, look, there might be a bunch of crazy people here, but. I will find a way for us to sort of keep connecting and find, and now I can, and I want to. And I also want to tell people this story about, you know, all these people, there are millions of people, billions of people that are not one race or one ethnicity. Are your English family, sorry, are they, I mean, there must be very, you know, well, I suppose if you don't know it, you'll probably find out, but they must be very very proud of what you've done, right? I mean, you know. They do, they do. And it's, and they're very kind too, because they also understand that the second that they start fanning about it, sort of being a fanatic, their privacy is gone. So they're very private about it, but they're, they're very kind, very, very kind. And I have nephews, my sister has two sons that I've met twice before and I can't wait to, one of them, I think is going to school in Bristol. So I can't actually be like, you know, Babe, you want to come over here for the weekend? Get tossed here, then go back to school. It's fine. You know, I can't wait to have that because I've never had that. I've never been able to have that. You know, my family was Mormon. Really? I'm talking about Yes, love. Yes. Wow. Yeah, mate. That's why my dad left. My dad left. So, you know, the whole immigration thing in the 50s and the 60s where they sent teachers and stuff to New Zealand. His aunt, his mum's sister was one of them. She came back with a married Polynesian man, joined the Mormon church for his 21st. He was tits up. She left a pamphlet in the house. His mum was, uh, my nan was like, get fucked. And then he went out and got pissed some more, came back and his dad, my grandfather, who I never met, had left the pamphlet on his bed and said, here is a chance for you to have a different life than the one that you are currently living, selling toilets and getting pissed. And it was the Mormon church. It was to go to school at Church College of Hawaii, which is what it was called at the time, on the North Shore of Oahu. And he took it. Have you ever thought of going back to, oh, I mean, you must have done, but New Zealand? I mean, actually making that home instead of the UK. I can't. It's too much trauma. It's the same place that, so when when our family would go back to New Zealand, when my mum was alive, we were always basically nearly kicked out because he was white and everyone was upset that he, she'd married him and she was the one that was the you know, security guard going, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. And we'd end up in a motel. So as children, and three of my five, uh, sorry, two of my four siblings, we've talked about it at length, just for our healing purposes, we saw that and we knew that. And we understood all that. And so going back to New Zealand was a very scary thing for us. When I, case in point, I, God love him, that fucking egg. Hugh had asked me if I would go to New Zealand. And I said, here's the deal, mate. Here's what's going to happen. If you go and we do this press junket, they will come at you and say, oh, my God, Wolverine, you know, my life, you're so cute. We love you. You can do no wrong. When they come at me and for me, 
because they will not come for you. They will come at me and for me and ask me immediately if I know my lineage back to New Zealand. Because not only, not only am I not that car, I was raised in America and born in America. So they've already knocked me down enough pegs before I've even gotten there. So I have to memorize and continue to like on a weekly basis, just in case I get pulled aside and going, hey, do you know this? I have to, and it's called pepeha, which is the Maori word for your genealogy. And I have to learn that. And I have to tell them every time they ask me, I have to give it to them in the language, in the, in the real. And it's this thing where you go, this is my mountain. This is my river. This is my tribe. This is my sub-tribe. This is my tribal leader. This is where it's located on the map. This is my grandfather who's connected to it. This is my grandmother who's connected to it. This is my mom. This is my dad. And this is actually fucking me. That, you have to say all of that. Right what happens if you don't? Well, I don't, I don't. I mean, that's... That's the fear, isn't it? It's aren't you playing into it then? If you, I mean, I mean, sorry. I did buy. Look, here's the deal. I did buy into it. I'm not buying into it anymore. I'm just sitting here, not making light of it or anything. I just suddenly thought, listening to what you were saying about having described where you were, I was like, thank fucking God for postcodes. It'd be so much easier. Exactly. It? <laughs> that's exactly right, though. But that's the thing is that because it's so racially charged, it's uh, just that's what it is, and it's so our lives have been as such. And just now, because of this godforsaken pandemic that's brought so much trauma and sadness, it's given so many people that are alive hope because they are looking inside and going, oh, I just realized I don't need that. I don't need that. But I do love this. This makes me happy. And they're learning by letting go of things, myself included. And each time I let go of something, it sucks because that's something I knew. I'm used to that. I'm jumping off a cliff now every other day because I'm doing things that I've never done before because I want to, because I want to be around and I want to tell other people what happened because if they like, this is me, maybe they'll like the other stories that I can tell them about, Hey, this is, I, I was telling someone today, I was on a meeting and I said, look, here's the deal. If I go stand next to the loo anywhere in England and someone's sitting on the loo using it, and I start telling a story, whether it's singing or talking, if they can relate to it, my job is done. That's all I want is one other person to go, you know what? You're absolutely right. I know what that feels like. That's all we fucking need. But why are they sitting on the loo? I just made that up. I don't know why they're sitting on the loo. It's probably personal reasons. <laughs> I, I'm like, wait a second. This, com- this, whole, this whole, everything you were saying made sense. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we're sitting on the loo. I mean, I mean, where, where are we right now that we're next to the person on the loo? <laughs> because that's the only place that I can actually tell a story. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it, the on whole the point is... <laughs> Some people come here to sit and stink. Some people come here to shit and think. That's I right. Scratch my balls and read the writing on the wall. But either way, you'll get it. That's my point. You'll understand. That's what some of the best thinking happens. <laughs> that's how my pandemic has gone. And that's how I look at life. And I'm really excited to be accessible enough just for myself to let other people come in. Because that I've never had, ever. And that is a big, big thing to make myself accessible enough to myself because the second that happens everything that has been around me my whole life that is waiting to just be a part of me will come in 
and I won't have to worry about weeding people out. It just does it on its, on its own because of how accessible I've made myself and the integrity to which I've done that. If that makes any sense. No, it does. Of course it makes Really fucking deep. I know no one really... Just have a drink, love. It's fine. (laughs) Can I just say, is that also something to do with the fact that, I mean, I think England, you you read Dr. Johnson's diaries in the 17th century and he's complaining about living in London and he's walking out, he's complaining about the places full of foreigners and all the rest of it. This is 400 years ago, right? Yeah. You know, you look at somewhere like London, London doesn't exist without the incredible kind of like collection and, and differences in cultures and languages and colours and all the rest of it. I think the UK is fundamentally accommodating, kind of not that's the wrong word, maybe, you know, we are a multicultural, very multicultural. Yes. There is space for everyone. There's space for everyone. And actually yes. we're not, there isn't a sort of, the hardcore, you know, right. reputation for, for everyone being mass racist or anything. Actually, we're welcoming. We always have been for how many hundred years going right. back. But I mean, even though the old ones complaining, complaining about it, but it, it is what makes up the fabric of this country. Um, is And is that something that, that's appealing to you where you can actually come somewhere that the first question you're not you're, you're not the first question you're not going to be asked is to list off the mountain and the river and the and the tribe and yeah. the sub yeah the biggest chance you've got is actually not anyone actually noticing that you don't look british because she kind of does look british though you did british but then again you can sit there and you can say well you know you know you could be from you know polynesia you could be you know yeah. i don't know but, but that's but but it, that's a true thing all of that is true and the fabric of our world is really what it's all about. And you'll find racism, however big or small, everywhere. That's just the way we are as human beings. And I also have to take into account that this country that I now live in is still in its baby steps, even though it's been 200, 300 years. I don't do my maths, please. Someone, sorry, sorry about that. But it's still in the, even, even this year, just proving that it's still got these like very deep rooted issues and situations that are destroying people's lives. And the space that's required for that is to help the nation grow. And for me, for my person, I am looking for a place where I have space, where my voice is, I don't know if it's needed or it's not really needed or required, but my voice has a place to live. But I mean, I don't know how else better to say it because for me during during the pandemic people asked me out the bloody asshole would you sing this is me and i absolutely said yes is it for a concert is it for a benefit yes 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 and i started branching out with different songs that were very similar to that and started doing that as well and through that that's when i realized Whatever I do, because when I open my mouth, I don't know what's going to happen. It just happens. So my voice and me are never the same person, for starters. But I do know that when my voice, when I start using my, vo- my, my singing, the second my throat starts going there, it takes all of my body to do it. And it's with an honesty that I cannot hide, that I don't want to hide. And I know that for a lot of people, it's vocal. It's, it's almost like a vocal triage for the soul because that's what I was able to offer this past year, which kept me sane because I wanted to do so much to help people and I couldn't, but I could do that. 
And my whole life I've said, if I can do any, like I just said, go to the loo, if I can do that, then I'm one. Do you know what I mean? That's all I wanted to do. And that's all I want to do. And I'm very proud of who I am. I'm proud of who I am on my way to become, what that is, I've no idea, but I'm excited for the journey. I'm really excited about it. And I'm excited to share it with other people because millions of other people are trying to find out what their fucking journey is. Millions upon billions and it exists. And I just keep, I wanna make sure that they keep hearing that. The journey exists for you individually and collectively. It's not going to die. It will never die unless you choose so, which you know, which at some point in my life I knew as well. It does very dark times, which is why I lost it when you told me that. I know that. I remember saying to my therapist, who's the last meeting of the day today, um, <laughs> I remember telling him when I was in that moment where I had worked so hard and got, because you have to get the nerve up to want to expire because you as a layman do not want it. The human being, the human condition does not want to expire. They do not, like I said, we are a contradiction when we step outside our door every day. We're alive because, our, because what's inside us makes us so. When you go to the other side, you have to get the nerve to go against everything that is inside of you. So whatever that takes, drugs, pills, booze, whatever it takes, and when you do that and you realize you're doing it, you are shutting your own soul down, saying, I know what's better. I know what's right. I know what's supposed to be happening here because we're tired. We are done. It's another worldly experience. And I cannot believe after two attempts, I'm still alive. And I'm, that's the other reason why I've chosen to go, right, then fucking let's get on with it then. Let's yeah. get on with it because it's not your fucking choice. So for you, Nigel, I live in honor of your sister because I know that, I know all of that. I appreciate that, my love. I appreciate that, and as, as do I. And it's, there's a lot of people who are battling that and there's a, mm -hmm. we, we all carry our demons and we also carry, yeah. there's just a lot of confusion as well with, with the, the way the world is and, and, and being accepted and accepting yourself and mm. passion you need to have for yourself and, the ability to give yourself room and space and yeah just to be able to just to breathe forget about yeah it. and it all exists it all exists that's the thing is that when you get to those darkest moments you can feel it there is a part inside of you a little spark that actually is fighting against everything that is forcing you to not want it but it's there and it's that it's that war within you that is the actual proof that you can do it. And I don't think enough people are told that. But the war that happens inside of you is proof enough that there is a side that knows you can get through it. Don't linger on the war. Linger on the fact that you are having it because both there are two sides to a war and there is a good side which comes from you as well. I don't think enough people know that or recognize that. And I Whatever I do or say, because I've written songs about it. I've written about suicide prevention. I wrote a song about it and performed it in Australia because Hewitt asked me to. And I really didn't want to because I was, again, petrified to show who I was. And I remember Deb was there. Hugh was what, there. What was the name of the song? Called Harder. Isn't that the song you sang with me? Yes. With yes, love. 
That's when I wrote it. I wrote it for Suicide Prevention Week. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, I know that song. I know that's the song you yeah. sang with me. That's the song that I wrote just well, not about with me, that but moment. I was there when you sang it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. That's the stuff that I do. That is the kind of music that I'm kicking out. Yeah, it's got good beats, whatever. If it goes somewhere, if it, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm there to simply just say, here's a song that you might know because I don't know if you've ever looked at yourself going, we're done. But if you stay there long enough and look at yourself, you will see yourself, say to yourself, no, you're not. And if you can just hook onto that and stay with it, you get to the next moment. Because I know what that feels like. So yeah, that song, a bunch of stuff I've written is all about that. Because I want to, because people know. They, they have to know. That song has got to have given people respite to some extent in this past year. I mean, mm. that has, that's really a... I mean, that's kind of an anthem for the past year in many ways, you know, as far as, you know, is that how you felt people have reacted to it too? I've been told that. And then at the beginning of the year, because I was making the decision to either stay here and move out of this location into a safer location for myself or to actually just leave the country, I released a song called Shooting at Myself, which mm. just talks about sabotaging yourself to the point of you think you can't come back from it. And I needed to hear that just for me. I released it for myself so that I could go on Spotify and go, there it is, I can listen to it. That's it. And then I was getting messages from people going, I have no idea how you've done this. I don't know where it comes from. And I'm just standing there just crying. That was when I was able to actually sit there and ex that's when I knew it was beginning, the whole idea of me making access for myself because I started taking it in and responding to it in a positive way and not freaking out about it. And uh, that's when I said, right, I'm moving to England because I'll never do it again. I'll never have this opportunity again. Uh, not to change directions at all, but just to kind of play on that, you're going to England, but you've just you know, got a new show you premiered April 19th this year with John Stamos, uh, Big Shot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love that segue? <laughs> Yes, I did with Jocko. Oh, man, he's amazing. He's like my little brother that I just want to punch in the face. <laughs> so do I, by the way. No, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I would never think of such a thing, John. But um, <laughs> big shot. What, what, yeah. Tell us about it. You, it's a reoccurring role, though. How are you going to do that from living in the UK? You're going to fly back and forth, I guess. I know, I know. That was part of what was holding me back as well because again you have to understand I know you understand both of you do when you live your life and you're chasing you know the money or you're chasing the roles or you're chasing the opportunities and then once you get it you go well I have to live my life by this which means if it gets picked up if I get cast in this if I'm able to be a part of this my life has to go like this I've done that my whole life the opportunity was incredible. The writing is amazing. And I miss the whole vibe of David E. Kelly and uh, Dean Laurie, who's the writer. It was, the directors were incredible. I'm really excited for this show because it does hit home in a very young adult sort of way, but also in the same way that, that you know, The Practice did and, you know, Ali McBeal and all, all those other things. It's sort of combined into one for this new generation of kids. And I play one of the girls' mums in the show. So I probably pop up in six or seven, I can't remember. And I'm not telling you anything else, but it, it is, it's a great storyline. And I love the fact that it, 
It is multicultural, just all the colors of the rainbow with all of those issues. I love all of that. And I have no idea if they get, I don't know. I can't live by that. If it gets picked up, that's amazing. We'll deal with it then. Right. I've spent my whole life waiting. Do I wait for the Broadway show to say, yes, we're going to take you from the tryout? Do I wait for this show? When we were finishing filming Showman, I remember I was in the trailer and he was up top on the other trailer, the makeup room. And I went and talked to him. And I was like, look, I've got this offer for so-and-so and so-and-so. What should I do? And he goes, Kiala, why are you going back to that? You've already left it. You've done this. You're going to leave this to go back to that. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Again, sitting on the loo, heard him through the door. You're absolutely right. And I uh, sort of walked away from all that just because it was a different, it was a new, it was a, it was another chapter. And I was seeing the signs thanks to my friend, the egg, the gentleman. But yeah. I just was ready to move on. Ready to move on. I don't know. I'm not going to chase it. I'm not going to no, chase no, no. it. Smart, smart move. I moved upstate and I lived, having lived in New York for so long and people even then were like, how can you be out of the city? How can you be I know. Away? They're like, well, see you later. Like you no. died. It's like, what are you doing? No, no. It was the best yeah. move I ever made. And I, nothing changed. And actually things, I became more, you know, interesting for people because I wasn't around as much. Right. I was right. out of, you know, not out of sight, out of mind, actually out of sight. It became more desirable because you only, when you do show up, it's like, it's, you're not there the whole time. It's like, you're sort of a bit of the prodigal son arriving right. back. Right. So there's a little bit of that happening, which is a good thing. And you know, you're busy. And so if you're busy, they'll want you, they'll come get you and you can go and get and do, you know, move. Yeah, I love it. I would absolutely love to do it if it happens. I can't live by that. I've got to live by make sure my dog's not sick, like having sick all over the floor. She's not eating grass and just puking it all up. And uh, that I've got, you know, oat milk in the fridge. That's it, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not worried about when the people are going to show up to come and get me. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, guess, I don't think that's ever been a concern or, or, or a thought. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to remember though to put my dog out tonight before I go to bed. Uh, exactly, don't forget. It's getting late over there. I know uh, it is. Oh, you guys are hilarious, Kelly. What what makes you happy? I love when it's overcast and you can feel that it's about to rain, but it won't, and the wind starts to pick up a bit. And then if you look up in the sky and you see a little teeny tiny corner of blue, because it's precipitation that is trying to happen in all different directions. And precipitation means change. And in change, it's, it's really rough. It's like that war. But all those pieces need to be there to create that. And so much can be fraught from that. I love that in the, in the universe. I love the smell of rain. You're going to fucking love the UK then. <laughs> I told you, I'm made for that fucking country. Um, I can't wait to be frozen to death. I lived in Hawaii. Each child had six fans to themselves. So I just cannot wait to just be stuck in a meat locker. The, there's a famous line from Viva Vendetta, mm. which happens to be my birthday. And it's a line where Natalie Portman comes out and she's been this prisoner and realizes that it was just all a facade and it's pouring rain. And she looks up and she actually says, God is in the rain. That's what that is to me. It's just all of those things that are coming together to continue to create life outside. That's what makes me happy. I love seeing my, the whites of my dog's eyes when she looks up at me because I know she's trying to get something or she's upset with me and I can't read it, but it's cute to me. I love it. I love men who aren't afraid 
to be vulnerable. I love that. I love that's such a turn on for me. And I love the smell of bread, mm. breshed baked sourdough bread. So no wonder you love Hugh. Look, he puts that in a machine. He puts that in a machine. He cries to a, at a drop of a hat and he's baking bread like there's no... No, no, but he's not. He just throws it in a machine and it does all what it needs to do. He's what? not baking bread. He, well, maybe he is now, but originally he he's was throwing his, it in he's a machine. That, he's sourdoughing it. He's, 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 you're telling me it's, that's not like a machine. You've seen him. He's yeah, but when he started, he did. When he started, he did. He was throwing it in a machine because I was there. I love, like, oh, I love it. I love this. She's calling you a cheat, by the way. FYI, your friend here. By the way, always welcome to come and see me in Oxfordshire. I'm, I'm definitely vulnerable. I've got a bread maker on the farm and it'll almost certainly be. <laughs> <laughs> Job done. Job done. Oh, I actually, Job real done. baker. I've got a real baker on the farm who does bake sourdough. Why don't you? Because he has a baker. <laughs> because he has a baker, like a candlestick maker. This guy, you know, it's like, oh, can I have the nuts? No, you can't. It's the nutcracker's day off. Fuck off. Honestly, for real. Yeah. yeah. If you've not done your research, you don't know who he is. He lives under a rock, but it's quite impressive, the rock he lives under. Yeah, because a ton of people live under that rock as well, I suppose. But- no, God, no. I hate that. Well, there are too many people, actually. I don't like, yeah, no, I quite like my it's college. It's your fault. I, you what? can't even bake bread, so you got to get a baker. No, it's, by the way, I rent a business unit out to someone who bakes bread in it for their own business. This isn't my personal baker that Nigel's making right, right, up. Right. Okay, okay. I'm making me fucking cakes on the, all day. Fair no. Play, it's actually, it's not, it's not actually untrue. That's the thing. And when you go to his estate, you will see, you will meet the, probably the baker, the butcher and the candlestick maker <laughs> and everyone else. All, all, the, yeah, all the townsmen will come around. Right. Honestly, I'm not going to respond. No, you, you should. <laughs> How can you? I can't lie. There's nothing to say. Yeah. Yeah. I just so, roll guys. I'm a big fan of your TikToks and your dancing. <laughs> You make me, you make me smile. You make my heart sing. You do it sort of like you have so much fun. That's your sort of happy space. There's yeah, it fun. really is. I I actually just was on the phone with someone this morning who was in New York going, I can't figure this out. What do I do? Do I do this? Do I do that? And um, I mean, clearly, I love Dairy Girls. I'd be a liar if I said I didn't. I love that show. I love a lot of British drama, British comedy. Irish drama, Irish comedy. I love all of that because, again, it's a different facet of human nature that I'm not used to, but I love watching. I love watching it so much because I love to learn. And so for me, TikTok is something that I have. You were right. I have fun doing like I'm, I'm I was just about to do one before I called you. But then I realized oh, I haven't got time. I only got five minutes. But, I, you know, I've got uh, I want to do a hula dance when I set it up in a minute because that's what I used to do. I want to do a poi dance because, yes, I used to do all that stuff. I did all of that and I love it and I miss it. Cookie Lau. It's oh, we're going <laughs> to Okinawa. Everybody loves Okinawa. Because that's where you row the canoe. When the Mao meets the Pow Pow and the Vitwas. Oh, close love. Oh, we throw it out into the sea. And all the Ama Ama come a swimming to be. Oh, we're going. To and finish. 
Whoa, there you go. Unbelievable. So beautiful. My goodness. Now my heart's singing. Look, there you go, love. We've got something called Last Orders on this show, which is a sort of rapid fire question kind of moment. Please give me guttural pain. All right, go on. I know they give you guttural. This this doesn't have to be too fast. You've been talking about your dog, Izzy. Yeah. Popped up multiple times already in this conversation. Yeah, she's not like that. to know. I mean, look, you, you, and I know that she's a big star on your social media too. Everyone kind of knows if they follow you, they know your dog. So, yeah. um, and, and it's, she, she, I love the fact you met, it was like the, probably the third thing you mentioned on the show was your dog. And you've and I mean, if it was a drinking game, I would be drunk by now. Yeah, you would. Sorry, life. sorry, sorry. <laughs> but it's true. Okay, I go, go on. Okay. If Izzy were to divulge secrets of her adventures in life with you, what would she say? Next, I because I'm on these calls all the time and I'm on my computer all the time, or if I have the opportunity, I'm doing self tapes. And she she has the sound that she makes every day, like three, four times a day after I've given her a walk. She loves it. I throw I find sticks for her so she can just annihilate them during the walk. And then I bring her home, feed her. And that's when she knows Mum is done because that's when I have to do all the work. I've got to get on my, you know, meetings or whatever. And she makes this sound. She goes in the corner and then all of a sudden you hear this. She's so bored. I love it. Just a big old sigh. A big She's old so sigh. Bored. Next, TikTok. If you could duet with anyone on the planet, who would it be? It would be Kelly Clarkson. Any, why? No. Nah, I think she's a, an amazing singer. Yeah. And I think the way that she approaches her music is very much, this is who I am. I'm going to give you all of it, no matter what. If it's good or bad, you're going to feel all of it. And I love that. And I, would have, I thought this entire time you've been saying that you don't like, this is who I am. Didn't, you weren't paying question. attention, were you? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Can I ask the same question? If they don't necessarily need to be alive from the past. Oh, it would be Nina Simone. Amazing. That would be amazing for me. What floats your boat and what gets you go? What floats my boat <laughs> is a bottle of Chardonnay. That's what floats my fucking boat. Yeah. Unoaked. What gets my goat is uh, people with no integrity. That's what gets my goat. In the movie of your life, when that gets made, who would you like to see play you? I think this, the, the porthole that will play that part has not been discovered yet. Fair enough. And. Final question, shaken or stirred? Stirred. Kiala Settle, thank you so much, love. We, we love you. Yes. I love you guys so much. What You're a the best. to be on here. I mean, from the very first time I met you, you've just been, I mean, just the nicest, most hilarious, brilliant, real, sweet person I know. I mean, literally every time I, and by the way, anybody I mention your name to, they say the same thing. It's just... Oh. So please don't go away for too long. Come back and uh, I'm, not, you know. I'm not dying, mate. Just well, I know you're going to the UK, up. which is like in, in this world. It's like it's I, across I, the water. Get on a flight. Let's go, Jengus. <laughs> Big shot on Disney Plus, everyone. <laughs> Check her out. Where else can we find you? See what's next. What? What? what what's the the next? I can't thing tell you any of that, but there are things coming. I, I actually follow on Instagram and TikTok. You'll yeah, find just, out. Yeah, follow me on Instagram and TikTok. You'll see it there. I mean, I've been doing a countdown on TikTok, and nobody knows what it was, but now they do. It's the countdown for me leaving because I've already booked our flights, me and my baby, and we're gonna head out in probably about three weeks. 
We'll be gone. Kiala, cheers, my dear. Cheers, thanks. All the best. Love you too. Thanks, love. Thank you very much for listening. That is Shaken Instead. We will be back next week with another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe. See ya. See ya.